Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. morning. I'm Linda Crater, and I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. We're going to be talking about things that resonate with so many women on, on how can we have greater emotional intelligence, a more fulfilling career, and, and overall a better life. And we're going to be speaking today with Emily Golden, and she has just written a book called The New Golden Rule. And it's a professional perfectionist guide to greater emotional intelligence, fulfillment and a better life and it's fascinating and I'm delighted that we are going to have Emily to talk to us about how she came up with this why it is so important to transition and to transform and we will have a good discussion today so Emily welcome to our program Linda thank you so much for having me I'm thrilled to be here today I am as well I I think that and first of all with your name Emily Golden and the new golden rule love the play on words (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I married a man with the last name Golden. It was good fortune. <laughs> well, I, I've always adhered to the Golden Rule, so I'm really interested to see what the new Golden Rule is. But more importantly, what prompted you to write this book, and and how did you come to the understanding that such an approach was needed? Great question. So I will tell you what the new golden rule is in a moment. Um, but if let's just back back up. Um, I grew up with um, I, I I grew up with a lot of shoulds, um, like many of your listeners, I'm sure. So um, you should act a certain way. You should get certain grades. You should look a certain way. Um, and this is not because my parents did anything bad or wrong. It's just culturally, this is what I was fed. And I followed those rules really well, Linda. And 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 I was very successful, I, I'll say. Um, I wound up going to a great school, getting great grades, graduating, um, getting a great job. And I launched this career in human resources. Um, and I was on paper quite successful. Mm-hmm. I hit a wall um, uh, at in 2010. I had this moment of awakening where I recognized that while I had everything on paper, I was married, two children, this great job, lots of promotional opportunities. I was really unhappy inside. Mm-hmm. Um, my soul was was kind of dying. Um, and that moment was the moment that my daughter, at the age of five was diagnosed with a neurological condition called Tourette syndrome. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I knew, I knew nothing about Tourette. I knew nothing about having a child with special needs. Um, my world was about to change dramatically. And the place that I knew to get sourced, and that's a very coachy word, but to get energized, to get replenished my home life, mm-hmm. uh, became a place of stress, a place of um, uncertainty. Um, and there was a lot of fear in my space at home. Mm-hmm. So here I have home life, tumultuous, 
work life unsatisfying. And I was like gutted. This, mm-hmm. this, I couldn't imagine continuing to live life this way. Um, and it was that moment that had me face the, I, I need to find a calling a purpose professionally that's going to bring me joy and satisfaction. Um, and of course I need to be able to be there for my daughter. And subsequently my son was diagnosed with Tourette three years later. Hmm. And now I know a tremendous amount about this disorder and it's actually, while I, I'm sorry for my children that they have a different kind of brain. It's actually been quite a blessing for all of us. And I've learned a tremendous amount, but that was 2010. And it started me on this journey of like, who did I want to be when I grew up, when I grow up and what do I want to, to do with my life? Um, and that's what had me um, come into the world of transformational work, which mm-hmm. I stumbled upon in 2015 began a transformational coach training program with accomplishment coaching in um, New York City. Um, I did that on the weekends while I was working full time in during the week, running uh, talent acquisition for a $3 billion chemical company, no small oh feat, right. with two special needs children. And somehow I was so hungry for something different, a different possibility of a future that Mm -hmm. I made it work. And in 2016, I made the full pivot to hang my shingle as a full-time coach and HR consultant. And the rest is, is really history. Well, they always say that the strength of your convictions is the strength of your why. And your why was very strong. You were doing everything, quote, right, and yet you were feeling unfulfilled and dissatisfied. And that is not a way to live. What do they say? Life is too short, you know, to not live it to the fullest. So congratulations to you. That is a huge and and significant transition. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So as you walked this path of identifying what made you happy, what drove you to to make the small changes that added up to the large changes? Because I, of all people, know that success does not come overnight, not ever. It comes in small increments that build upon one another. So how did you begin to accumulate your steps? So this is where the new golden rule comes into play. I realized very quickly into my transformational journey that something that was missing from my life was support. Um, Not support in that, you know, in in having help with my children or having help to do some of the basic things that I thankfully as a, as a privileged working woman was able to, to get help for myself, but really help in an emotional um, and, and spiritual and mental way. So I, um, I, the first thing was I started working with a coach of my own mm-hmm. and that began the transform, the transformative process. Um, I learned that I had been living someone else's narrative, mm-hmm. um, and that I'd been following these rules that were actually not me inspired. And while they looked great on the outside, they weren't actually, I hadn't decided them. So flash forward to 2019, when I start writing my book, 
um, the, the, I created the new golden rule. So the old golden rule, as we're all familiar with. I says, wish we were all familiar. We're not, but go ahead. Yes. Okay. Fair, fair point. <sighs> Treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. The old golden rule is a way of living for others instead of living for yourself. Mm-hmm. More um, said more appropriately, it's about what you get back from others. So I'm going to treat this person nicely and expect that they'll treat me nicely in return. And then um, the, the the thing is, it has the, uh, the propensity to breed this righteousness like, I can't believe that person would treat me that way. I would never treat someone that way, right? Um, or this this anger, this frustration that other people aren't behaving in the way that I behave. This I'm is gonna a stop real- you. I'm going to stop you because I think it's fascinating. Um, I think that I don't take the golden rule that way, so I'm going to push back a little bit and you push back on me. I take the golden rule to be how I should behave. And I don't like shoulds in my world either. Um, I I take it as a a foundational outline that no matter how others behave, if I behave in a way that is fair and right and good for me, from my character and integrity standpoint, it doesn't truly matter what I get back from them because I know that I have done the right thing. Does that make that's a slightly different take on what you're saying? Because I never once look to see if somebody's going to treat me that way. Because many of us have felt, I can't, I don't know why there aren't more people like me, but there aren't. And so it's right. either a fact you accept, uh, as I do. I, I I will continue to live by the golden rule, but I'm I'm happy to listen to the new golden rule. Sure. I know I I really am. It's just that I I just interpret that differently. I, I don't look at it as a rule, uh, even though it's called one, I tend to think it's just a way to have us get along better with one another, which heaven only knows we need. Well, sure. And so to that point, Linda, um, that is the intention of this rule, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And unfortunately, the way that many of us are have uh, started to live or have been living rather is not that way. It's, it's uh, what am I getting back? That's true. So, 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 um, you are an actualized woman, you have done your work. And I say it all starts with the relationship that you have with you. Mm-hmm. So the new golden rule is to treat yourself the way you <laughs> yes. want others to treat you. <laughs> now that I can absolutely agree with. Um, because I think that women especially are often harder on themselves than they would be on anyone. And that goes with negative self-talk, um, the defaults to automatic negative thoughts about ourselves. And we, we always feel we could do more, be more. It's in my, it was in my intro you know, we're asked to do more, be more, but how much of that is put on by ourselves? Exactly. And I was the poster child for this way of living. So my transformation really began when I, when I could recognize this and start to, I'm not going to say love myself. Cause that was, that was a very big leap at that point, but start to kind of like myself a little bit and treat myself with some kindness. I think that's, 
fantastic. We're coming up on our first break, and that's a great spot to, to break. I think that one of the things that we do need to work on is to be kind to others, yes. But if we're not kind to ourselves, it's very hard to be kind to others. And with all the chaos and fear in the world at this point, that's not our best times where for for the best outcomes. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We're talking with Emily Golden and the new Golden Rule. Stick with us. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. Yesterday, I called my computer helpline because I felt an overwhelming need to be made to feel ignorant by someone much younger than me. Hey, I know a few things about computers. The term reboot actually originates from the Middle Ages when horses who stopped mid-stride required a reboot to the hoof to start again. A timinagi is another name for a device that saves you time and labor, such as a computer. Because my computer issue couldn't be resolved over the phone, they sent a Bobby Dazzler over to have a look. The technician informed me that it appeared my computer had been shaken or dropped, or as the Scottish say, misguggled. Whoops, did I mention I have a bit of a temper when things aren't working right? It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back. I, we were talking on the break, and it, it is very intriguing to me by taking something old, the original golden rule, and then talking about the current cultural crisis, if you will, where it, it does seem very dog-eat-dog, and it's hard to have a, a civil conversation. But I know for a fact it can be done because I've had many people on the radio who we disagree or agree to disagree. I have neighbors the same way. But I think when you come down to it, what we spoke about before the break, about being kind to yourself, that to me is so massively huge because women are such overachievers, overcomers, that they often put themselves last on the list. So I'm wondering if you can talk about Uh, You've mentioned in the book that there's a three-step process for total life improvement. And who doesn't want that? Absolutely. So I will share the three-step process with you in a moment. Okay. Um, And what I do want to say is that it is not a good look to put everyone else first and yourself last. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that is not what we are trained and what we are taught in this culture, um, I can assure you it is you, it is a much better look when you are taking care of you and you're able to show up so much more powerfully in life for others when you've got you handled. I can't agree more. I work with veterans and their caregivers. And 10 years ago, when I would talk about self-care, because you can't pour from an empty cup, hmm. you got eye rolls. I literally put a picture up of Tina Fey with an eye roll. I remember Mm. it vividly. And now when you talk about self-care and the vital importance of self-care, you don't get that anymore because people have burned out. 
Absolutely. We were headed down that path and Mm -hmm. we have now arrived at that burnout state. (laughs) Yes. So, okay. So the new golden rule, treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. Being kind, kinder to yourself, talking to yourself the way you would talk to a friend, um, putting an emphasis on that um, self-compassion and Mm -hmm. acceptance, acceptance of who you are and who you're not, right? Mm -hmm. The three-step process for total life improvement, um, which I outline in the book, is step one. Um, It's what I call the archaeological dig. And this is really all about self-awareness. So I assert that there are two parts of self. I call one part the golden self. That's the highest and best you, the essence of who you are and always have been. And then there's this survival self, this survival instinct that um, is where most of us are taking our actions from most of the time. Mm-hmm. We don't know that that's what we're doing until the lights go on. Right. And when, so the first part of the process is to identify who those two parts, the, those two parts of you, unique to you, so that you can actually have a choice as to where you come from in each situation. Mm-hmm. There are times that survival self, survival instinct and mechanism works for you. Um, there are times that like in, uh, it just in, in terms of relationship, um, there are times with my husband that I am all survival self and I just want to be that way. I want to be, I'm angry about something. I want to be righteous. I'm annoyed. And the, the key is not that um, I, I don't go there, but that I know that that's where I am mm-hmm. when I am there and I can right. name it, label it. And then Which there's is, the, that's a big step. Huge, huge. And that step right there, when I am working one-on-one with an individual or in a group and supporting uh, groups of individuals to identify these two parts of self, that right there is, it holds the, the holds the possibility of creating lasting transformation because especially in a group, if you and I are working together in a group and we identify for one another, our golden self, our survival self, and we know who those two parts of self are. And we're working together in a group, in an organization. I know what to watch out for, Linda. I know Mm -hmm. when, when Linda gets scared or triggered, she's going to become controlling. She's going to want to manage the heck out of that process. And when I get triggered and, uh, and, and I'm afraid I'm going to go into perhaps, um, going quiet, going silent or going dumb. I don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. So just knowing this is so critical. I think it's interesting that certain life experiences also will push you into survival mode just by necessity. And If you are aware enough to know where you were at some point in time, you can get through it. And sometimes it doesn't work quickly. I know that when I went through a very dark time through a divorce and and a lot of other things at the same time, um, it wasn't until I could see clearly that I knew I wanted to go back to the, the best me. 
And mm -hmm. the interesting part is, as women, we often have the ability to grow through those experiences. Yes, they're traumatic. Yes, they're chaotic. Yes, they're painful. But I, I truly believe in uh, personal growth being a lifelong pursuit. 100%. There is no there there. Mm -hmm. We are constantly evolving. And what you're talking about is life outside of the comfort zone. And what we know is that's where the expansion happens, as uncomfortable right. as it may be. Very true. And it, it can be for anything. It can be for death of someone significant to you. It can be the loss of a job. You know, loss and uncertainty bring out fears. And the two emotions that govern our behavior is fear and love. And so you made very good statements when you said, you know, when I'm fearful, this is how I would behave. And when I am comfortable, I behave in a different way. You get better at catching that, I would think. It's a practice like mm -hmm. anything else. It's not a perfect. It's not about getting an A+. Plus. It's about practicing. So that's Yes, and, and yet we've all been there. I'll never forget um, a, a parent, my beloved father, uh, who passed away this year. He said, when I, mean, I, was in, I was in seventh grade, I think, and I was an exceptional student. And he said, why didn't you get an A plus? <laughs> and I, you know, okay. Um, but it stuck with me clearly for decades and decades. And, and that's when I resolved that I was not going to do that to my children. That if they got good grades, I would say, I'm so proud that your hard work really paid off. Your diligence, your discipline, excellent. Well done. But I, I wasn't going to ever do that. And not because he was being unkind. He just was curious. You know, you, you get everything else. Why did you just get an A here? And I guess it's all relative. Um, but those sorts of things stick with you. Absolutely. And our survival self is formed in our formative years. Mm -hmm. So it shows up differently, obviously, in our adulthood than it did in our childhood. But we learn these things from our parents. And we, you know, it, it's not for lack of trying or wanting to be great parents, but our parents are parenting from their survival mechanisms and, 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 and survival selves most of the time anyway, because they don't know either. So well, I'm it's thinking, just, I agree with you, but I think in this particular instance, I think it was a matter of curiosity. I don't oh. think it was judgment, but I didn't have the emotional awareness at that point to not put it in the judgment category. So um, you took it in as judgment and for him, oh, it was I absolutely did. I needed yeah. to work harder. Um, and that wasn't good for someone who was already along the perfectionist line. So mm. I, I learned many years later that, um, doing very don't let what is it don't let perfection get in the way of excellence or excellence take away the good, good or whatever yeah. the saying is yeah. because we really can operate at our highest best but our best is going to be different at times absolutely and my best is different than yours so sounds pretty similar to tell you the truth but okay <laughs> <laughs> well we've got that perfectionist thing in common and there is not, that I'm not going to lie. I did hear a few. Oh, how did everyone else do on that test? You got a 90 on. Okay. So <laughs> you've had similar experiences. Okay. Um, 
so the first is the archaeological dig and the self-awareness and the survival person. I think yeah. every woman alive can pick up on what those two um, situations would look like. What's the second one? Yeah. The second step is living by the new golden rule. And this is where um, I walk the reader through creating a vision mm -hmm. and empowering certain coaching tools mm -hmm. to, um, to really bring that vision to life. Okay. And then the and third step. Keep going. The third step is um, to create a roadmap in order. This is really where the how of the new golden rule process comes into place. Mm -hmm. And one of the critically important foundational pieces of my process is well-being, which yeah, good. I know you can relate to. I think um, everybody can. I, I think it's been hard in the last year and a half to, to absorb a lot of things in life. And I, I think going forward will be the same. Life has never been easy and we are facing new things. So yes, well-being is important, but I think a lot of people don't even know what tools they have at their disposal. Exactly. And, you know, I, I just want to put a, a fine point here. When I talk about well-being um, and, and when we talk about self-care, I'm not talking about pedicures and massages. Right. Bubble bath. And all of that is great, right? Not nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about how are you talking to yourself? Yes. Are you practicing gratitude? Right. Are you leaning into support? Um are accountability. You eating right. Are you exercising? Are I mean the, some of the simplest things. You drink enough water. Are you right? Are you getting movement throughout the day? Mm -hmm. Um are you asking for, and I know that this is a, a this is tough right now because so many people are isolated, but if you live with other people and you're feeling like you need a hug, are you asking for it? Mm -hmm. If you live alone, what, what are you doing? There's actually ways that we can mimic a hug by wrapping our arms around ourselves in a certain way. Mm -hmm. This is no matter who I work with, Linda, whether it's the CEO of a large organization um, or an up-and-comer, um, you know, newer in, in career individual or someone that's that I'm coaching that has nothing to do with the professional world, this is the critical, critical component to living a, a full, satisfying, successful life. Exactly, because it's really mind, body, and spirit, and you can't take one leg of that stool away, the stool mm -hmm. will fall over. And so it is super important that we get that right. So unfortunately, we're going on another break, but we'll be right back. We continue our discussion with Emily Golden and the new golden rule and learning more about how to make that a reality for you and your family. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's marching down the road. Ah, the good old days. 
A hundred years ago, the average life expectancy was 47 years. More than 95% of all births occurred at home, and only 14% of U.S. homes had a bathtub. Most women only wash their hair once a month and use borax or egg yolks for a shampoo. Of course, eggs were a mere 14 cents a dozen. 100 years ago, only 8% of homes had a telephone, beginning a century of telewagging. 100 years ago, there were only 8,000 cars registered in the U.S. and just 144 miles of paved roads. The average wage in the U.S. was 22 cents an hour. What's a word for the pathological yearning for the good old days? Hesternophobia. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids as dogs love it, too. Last night, I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. I'm Linda Crater, and we're talking with Emily Golden, and we're continuing our discussion on the new golden rule. And, Emily, in your book, you talk about four things that I think are are very vital to well-being and understanding, but that so often are overlooked in the rush and in that survival mode that you're talking about, but they make a big difference. And the first one of those is self-awareness. Now, I'm going to throw this at you that I think many people are afraid to become self-aware because they don't want to be alone with some of their thoughts. What do you think? Wow. That is something I have definitely come across in my work. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's a, I think it's a really good point. When, so to back up, I think emotional intelligence, I call it EQ. So emotional quotient, but it's emotional intelligence. And I use it, I use those phrases synonymously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that EQ is so incredibly Uh, critical in terms of one's development. And when I'm talking about EQ, I have empowered in my work, the work of Dr. Reuven Baran. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was on the scene before Daniel Goleman uh, came on the scene. Um, And and I I empower a set of emotional and social skills, um, his definition, which is a set of emotional and social skills that establish how well we perceive and express ourselves, develop and maintain social relationships, how well we cope with challenges, and how well we are using emotional information in an effective and meaningful way. Mm -hmm. 
to me, self-awareness is the absolute um, center of all of this. And that is recognizing and understanding one's own emotions, understanding the subtleties in emotions, what's causing these emotions, and then how your own emotions um, and your, your thoughts and actions are impacting others. I think one other thing that is so important in self-awareness, especially if you're just beginning this journey or have undertaken it again after, you know, a period of time, is that if you journal even just the slightest things, five bullet points, I'm a gratitude journaler myself, but I'm talking beyond that. If you just put down a couple of bullets about each day, you start to recognize your own patterns. And I'm really good at recognizing other people's patterns because I've I, I've just been uh, relentless in in looking at my own, and so it's sort of just a thing that I I jump to. And I think one of the most important areas to have self awareness is in the area of self sabotage, mm-hmm. because I see this with women so many times. Either it's the negative talk, or it's I can't, I won't. Um, uh, the the word choices, word choices matter. And so do all the neural connections and the pathways that you're creating. And so patterns as you become aware of yourself, you know, what, what does make me angry? What does push me over the top? Uh, when do I feel contented? Contentment is a word you don't hear many people use. Mm-hmm. And it's different than happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So words matter. And I, I think that that is critically important to find the words that match with what you are seeking and then figure yourself out a little bit. But it takes time. And some of the things are not fun to untangle. It's gnarly at times. It is. Um, our language creates our reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll work with clients on this, just eliminating certain words from their vocabulary, at mm-hmm. least for a period. Um, words like help, um, replacing that with support, mm-hmm. words that are more empowering instead of why um, in a mm-hmm. conversation with someone, mm-hmm. how come, um, getting curious instead of um, instead of accusatory. Mm-hmm. Um, so and 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 with self-awareness, this is often one of those things that, People do express concern about building um, muscle in this area because they're afraid of what they might find out when they open Pandora's box. They're afraid that if they really take a look at themselves, they won't be happy with what they see. And this is um, understandable and not a place to have to, to get stopped. There are plenty of ways to be supported around self-awareness work, whether it's doing it with a friend. Um, you know, in my book, I walk you through so many exercises mm-hmm. to build that muscle of self-awareness, working with a coach, working with a therapist, um, however you choose to do it in a group. Um, it often looks like a uh, like a, a deep lake that mm-hmm. if you dip your toe in, you're going to get sucked into and drown. And it's really just a puddle. Um, perception is reality though. And uh, I talk to friends a lot when they're, um, saying that they're feeling overwhelmed and I, I 
I usually offer to them, take it 15 minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. You can manage 15 minutes and there's a relief in that. And then add these 15 minutes up as you go. Let's go to the emotional expression. The other part of, there's four layers in this emotional intelligence area. So the self-awareness is one. Emotional expression, especially right now, is very, very important. I, I was telling you on the break that I have worked with many veterans with traumatic brain injury. So for them, verbal filters are in many cases non-existent. So I don't get offended when someone speaks very directly to me. I, I use my energy on the things that, that are underlying it or, or matter to me more. But I know that right now we're dealing with a lot of sensitivity over emotional expression. And there's two problems here. One, if you are expressive and you're doing it in a counterproductive way, that's negative. And if you suppress what you're thinking and don't express it, that builds up into a toxic mess and that's not good either. So emotional expression can be done well, but it, I'm sure you give tools and tips on, on how to do that in a better way, in a better outcome planned way. So um, I'm defining emotional expression as openly expressing one's feelings verbally and non-verbally. Mm-hmm. What I will say is that it is incredibly important that we process emotions fully and we process them through, okay? Emotions um, have this beginning, middle, and end, and we can absolutely work through them. We often don't. We push them down like a beach ball, and you know what happens when you try to push a beach ball underwater? Yep. It pops out the sides, right? <laughs> so there's so a few things that I, I guide my, my clients on. One is an active expression of emotion um, daily or every every few days, um, and that is um, you know whether it be I, I call it sadness on purpose or anger on purpose to actually bring up those emotions that are that are there, and there are so many emotions right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the use of a feelings wheel. You can Google feelings mm-hmm. wheel. And you'll come up with, you know, PDFs of of feelings wheel. So even just, you know, that the using the self-awareness to identify what the emotion is and then saying this is the emotion can be a first step. Mm -hmm. But something that's critically important that I just want to point to here, especially in the professional spaces, process the emotion um, in a safe space for the first time, Mm -hmm. please. We talk about vulnerability and authenticity as as key leadership um, skills these days, and they are. But I think that sometimes that can be taken a little out of context. Expressing your emotions as a leader is extremely important, but please don't process, if you can, the raw emotion for the first time in front of a large group of people. Um, Ill-advised. Yes. 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 No, that's a very good point. And and I think perhaps my comments earlier about filters and emotional expression, you said verbal and nonverbal, but I think perhaps I'm talking more about the interpersonal relationships Mm -hmm. because that is where um, you can harm a lot 
through use of the wrong words or even the wrong tone. I, I mean, our mothers were right when they said it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of these things may be outdated. That is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I define interpersonal relationships as the skill uh, a, the skill over developing and maintaining mutually satisfying relationships with trust and compassion. Mm, I like it. Can only be, or can can be masterfully mastered when <laughs> you are when you have trust in self and compassion for self. Our interpersonal relationships are a mirror of our relationship with ourself. So the first thing that I will take on with a client in understanding interpersonal relationships is really understand how the client is relating to themselves. Mm-hmm. And when we develop that, there's a natural, there's naturally, um, if there wasn't a lot of room in relationships, there naturally becomes more room in relationships, more room for forgiveness, more acceptance of what is and what is not, mm-hmm. who the other person is and who they are not. Instead of it becoming a personal offense or attack, mm-hmm. um, we are all entitled to our views. And um, when we can own ours from an empowered place and not have to be right about it, there's there's room for connection in relationship. Very true. And, and again, that has something to do with personal boundaries and a lot of women have difficulty. They like they think boundaries are putting boundaries on the other person. You know, don't do this to me. Mm-hmm. When really setting your boundaries is in your control. You know, I will accept this, but not that. It doesn't even have to be voiced to the other person. It can simply be acted upon in a in a gentle, non-confrontational way. But boundaries are very important, and often some of the most difficult things for women to master. Absolutely. We're not trained in that. We're not. But I, I always go back to um, if you're a giver, set your boundaries because takers don't have any. And I think that that has proven very valuable in my life um, over the years just to be certain that I'm giving what I can but retaining what I need, if that makes any sense. So we are going on our final break and we will talk further about confidence, well-being, and all those good things that we all need. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's marching down the herd. And you wiggle your ears. Studies suggest that only 10 to 20% of humans are able to wiggle their ears. That's pretty ostrobogulous. Ostrobogulous is another word for bizarre or unusual. Of course, many animals have the ability to independently turn their ears in the direction of a sound by using their auricular muscles. In humans, ear wiggling is thought to be more of a vestigial feature, meaning it was once a useful trait of our ancient ancestors, but not needed anymore. Some people can't stop wiggling their ears. This rare moving ear syndrome is known as dyskinesia. This can be a pretty embarrassing condition, especially if you are macrotus or have big ears. It's marching down the road. 
I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Are you ever afraid to order something at a restaurant because you don't know how to pronounce it? Fox News reported that many people mispronounce common items while ordering. Some of those words that give people trouble are bruschetta, those yummy little slices of bread with chopped tomato, garlic, and olive oil. Chipotle, the pungent red pepper often pickled and eaten as an appetizer or added to meat and stews. Beignet, which is sort of a French donut. And believe it or not, there is no X in espresso. If you ever go into a restaurant and see Redonkadonk on the menu, that's a grilled burger with ham, bacon, cheese, egg, and spam inside two grilled cheese sandwiches made with extra thick Texas toast-style bread. Try it. It's delicious. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. We've talked so far about the three components of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, emotional expression, uh, the interpersonal relationships, and the fourth aspect you have named stress tolerance. And I would venture to say that everyone has a, a different level of stress that they can manage easily, then manage less easily, and then the stress that would put anyone over the top albeit hopefully temporarily, but life was never meant to be super easy. But learning resilient skills and grit, and I actually coach a, a program called the Durable Mindset mm-hmm. because it is durable people thrive, but it you need help to get there sometimes. Absolutely. Um, so stress tolerance, um, and, and to be clear, I use a tool called the EQI 2.0 and EQ 360, which is an assessment tool that I'm trained in. And and all of my clients go through this assessment when we begin our work together. So I get a really holistic Mm. view of their EQ at the beginning of our, of our work together. So stress tolerance is the fourth, um, area that I, that I focus on primarily in my work. And that is coping Mm -hmm. with Uh, stressful or challenging situations and believing that one can manage or influence situations in a positive manner. Mm -hmm. The key here is the belief, the belief that it is possible, the Mm -hmm. belief that I am able to impact the, the results here in a positive way. Mm -hmm. So there, this, this is an area that when I began my journey, I was really, if, if it were a muscle, it was very flabby. <laughs> it was not toned at all. Um, I was, I viewed stressful situations and circumstances as being done to me. And I had to kind of fight against them mm-hmm. and hard struggle and suffer to overcome them. Um, the shift here is really around recognizing that we are built um, to handle, as we were talking during the break, to do hard things, to mm-hmm. be resilient in the face of hard things. The, mm-hmm. the, the way our bodies are built, we heal ourselves. 
And our minds are, are, can work the same way. We just need to be feeding ourselves appropriately. And this underscores the importance, again, of, of, of well-being and taking care. Our stress tolerance is only as great as how healthy our well-being is. So that is, it, that is absolutely linked here. Um, but having a positive outlook is so incredibly important. Well, it allows you to deal with things from a position of gratitude. Um, I'm going to learn something from this. I, I'm a John Maxwell coach. So, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn is ingrained. Mm -hmm. But I also think that adversity can bring growth, whereas passivity usually does not. And so it it is a, it is, I always look at it as, okay, I'm, I'm in an enriching time. I use the word enriching for particularly gnarly times because, well, it's just a different word and it positions it differently so that you think I'm enriched. I mean, this is good. I'm mm -hmm. going to learn new skills or solidify new things or learn things that I will not do anymore. All of it, all of it is growth. Mm -hmm. um, and I find it very interesting, but stress tolerance you can raise your resilience levels. You can train to become more resilient and resilient, and have tools and tips and techniques that can help you. How do you think paramedics and EMTs and law enforcement and veterans manage? They, they, if they have been well taught, they have coping skills, and and we often will fall back to poor habits during times of adversity if we are not tuned into ourselves. Right. And Linda, I just want to put something in here that I don't think sure. I've mentioned so far, Go ahead. which is one of the reasons I love to work in EQ is unlike IQ, which is fixed mm -hmm. at a certain age, EQ is absolutely movable, yes. growable, and trainable. Mm -hmm. It is a skill. It, it, these are skills that can absolutely be built. And that to me is the best news ever. Mm -hmm. So if you are struggling with self-awareness, emotional expression, interpersonal relationships, stress tolerance, any aspect of emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. the good news is, you know, and the even better news is you can grow it. And, and that is true in all walks of life. And so I think it's extremely important. I also think expectations are important. If you have an expectation that is negative, well, then you're going to find it. I mean, that's sure. kind of just the way it works. But if you have an expectation of positivity, I know this, I'm going to hit some hurdles, but I am looking forward to this new aspect of my life. And if you're not looking forward, but I'm going to manage this next step of my life, it really can change the narrative in terms of your uh, confidence going in and, and managing each step of the way. I have a question for you. Uh, because I believe this to be a very strong aspect of, uh, it's partially survival, but it's also self-awareness. Where would you fit in intuition, gut instinct? Well, it's one of my, my core values, my, one of my top core, but my, my Mine top too. That's, yes. that's why I bring it up. Um, well, it's part of emotional intelligence for sure. And I would put it in the bucket of self-awareness. Okay. Um, I do believe that more, many people are 
intuitive and don't know it. They bat away that inner knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, if, if, if I could just support, uh, you know, a handful of people on this planet to lean more into their intuition, I think we would have a better world. <laughs> well, I've learned to truly rely on it. And if I get thoughts, et cetera, and if I don't act on them, I usually regret it. So at this point in my life, I do trust my intuition. And that takes a nice segue into um, our well-being and confidence. Because if you have been self-aware for a period of time or are starting to be aware, you will start to understand what makes you tick and what makes you tick nicely. You know, what is it takes a licking and keeps on ticking? The old Timex uh, commercial. <laughs> well, but you don't understand what I'm saying. It, yep. it is really a part of self-confidence because you want to be the woman who fits her own skin, who walks into the room and someone says, ooh, I would like to get to know her or at least meet her. Mm-hmm. The secret about confidence is that it's a byproduct of taking action even when you are uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. especially when you are uncomfortable. People that I speak with will frequently say, you know, I'd like to engage in coaching. Um, I'd like to become more confident. When I'm more confident, then I will ask for that promotion, (laughs) apply for that job, do the bold thing in my relationship, right? And the, the, the deal is that confidence is the byproduct of something else of, and I say it's, you know, often taking action in the face of the fear. And that action could be to step away from the, your desk and take some time with yourself quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be writing that book or something, you know, really lofty. Something big, right. No, but confidence is really an important aspect. People will tell you that they meet more people this way. They network better. They have deeper friendships. Mm -hmm. They can maintain even long distance friendships. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the, the social aspects of our lives really have a lot to do with how good we feel about how we're living, how comfortable we are. And, and I think that it's, it's often the smallest things that, again, I'm back to the small steps, mm-hmm. but the small steps get you to a higher place where you really have achieved a lot. And, and I think women are not very good at achieving the small wins and then saying, brava, and then they're quickly moving on to the next thing. I, I think yeah. we, we need to celebrate the small wins because that's growth. Mm-hmm. And if we don't acknowledge it, you missed it. You missed an opportunity to give yourself an attaboy. Exactly. Um, and, and that's one of the things, again, back to the foundations. When I talk about well-being, um, I am really um, committed to supporting people to understand what well-being looks like for them mm-hmm. and to set up structures that keep them committed to, to, to their own well-being. Okay. Because it's from that place 
of making sure that you're getting those basics, the sleep, the eating, the relationships, the time in nature, whatever it is that makes up your kind of well-being list mm-hmm. um, that that propels you forward. And that is the building ground for being willing to take that action that is uncomfortable, that is outside the comfort zone. And it is from taking those actions over and over that you build the belief in self, the confidence. Well, and growth right. comes from stepping outside your comfort zone. Now, I want to make sure our listeners know where to find more information in the book about you. And so you can go to thenewgoldenrule.info. Again, that's thenewgoldenrule.info. And I'll have this in the show notes and a link to her book. But, you know, I think, Emily, I like I like the way that you have taken these steps and broken them down in a way that's readily understandable. Because I don't know a woman alive who wouldn't identify with what you're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I wrote this book based on my own journey and the journey of so many of my coaching clients. And mm-hmm. if um, it can resonate with even one person in your audience, um, it would it it's an honor to me. Oh, well, you're very kind. I'm very glad you came to share all of this because I think communication, interpersonal relationships, emotional IQ, and moving out of survival mode into living mode Mm -hmm. is really very important. So uh, again, a John Maxwell, you know, so many people accept their lives, they don't live them. And I would like to say that I think we need to thrive too. And so that's what our, our aim can be if that's what you choose it to be. So Emily, thank you for spending time with us today. I've so enjoyed talking with you. It's it's very interesting having a back and a forth on things that are near and dear to, as I said, nearly everybody I know. Yeah. Linda, thank you so much for having me. This was a rich, um, wonderful conversation. And um, I know I got a lot out of it. I did too. And and I, I'm really glad to talk with you today. Stay tuned for new guests next week. And I'll give you Emily's link to her book in the show notes. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.